0: You must now release the guilt, and free yourself by choosing! No! Only you can make my children release them! Do you believe you are the Chosen One?
1: How can I know?
0: I can tell you what I believe. I believe you will bring balance to the Force.
2: ON YOUR knees
0: Only the Chosen One could take both
1: you are the chosen
0: one! Remember your training. Trust your instincts.
1: You don't have to do this. Then stand aside! I can't. I won't.
0: Now, these three figures appear throughout the Jedi's recorded history. They're sometimes referred to as the father, son, and daughter. The Jedi yeah. have brought me the dagger, and you she have brought, brought yourself. It was said that you would destroy the and not join them. My daughter, what, what have, have I done? done?
1: <laughs> Do not hate him, Father. It is his nature. Father,
0: No, what have you done? It did not have to be this way!
1: Bring balance to the Force! Not leave
0: it in darkness! And now... I die. My heart broken. Knowing... The role... You will play. And what is that? You... Are... The Chosen One. You have brought balance. This world, stay on this path, and you will do it again, for the galaxy. But beware
2: your heart. So if the daughter opens the gateway, the
0: sun will close it. That portal,
1: it's not just a way into the temple.
0: Between all time and space. What do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy of this evil with this much power, and
2: you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now.
0: I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death.
1: Revenge is not the Jedi way.
2: And welcome back to Women of the Wills. We are back this episode with some very special content uh, that's been uh, on our heads, and our hearts for a very, very long time. And we are also here, uh, me and Tammy, today we're joined with a very special guest, uh, Marie Claire Gold from What the Force Show. Uh, Marie, can you say hello to everyone, please? Hi, thanks for having me on the show. So glad to have you on, and it's been forever. I've been meaning to get you on for so, so, so long. <laughs> what we're going to talk about today, uh, we're going to talk about what does the Force want? That's a question that's been tried to be answered by, by so many, the Sith, Jedi, all of them. Everybody is just wondering, you know, what does the Force want? What in the Force does the Force want? So, <laughs> we know, we're coming to the end of the sequel trilogy, and right now the idea here is that the skywalker line or not line the skywalker stories in cinema are ending and it's been said over and over and over again um by jj especially that this film rise of skywalker is going to tie in all of the star wars films the lore just everything my question is how can Episode 9 truly tie in all of Star Wars while adhering to what the Force wants, because that's a huge, huge question that a lot of people are really left with once you really look at The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. You're wondering what on earth does The Force want with all this stuff, especially everything going on with Ray and Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. So we're going to go through step by step a little bit today on some some stuff that i think is really important to the sequel trilogy Uh, we're going to talk about the prophecy of the chosen one how that ties into the sequel trilogy we're even going to talk about world between worlds and mortis yeah so it's gonna get pretty spacey pretty weird um but that's what mc and tammy are here for because they love that stuff (laughs) and so do i (laughs) so to start off our discussion what does the force want, anyway? I was thinking earlier today. At the heart of Star Wars, really, the prophecy of the Chosen One is there. It's repeated over and over and over again. And the original trilogy, it wasn't—it wasn't there so much. It actually wasn't even named at all that there was a prophecy of you know the Chosen One. Um, there wasn't a way. You know, they adhered to it, kind of like Ben Kenobi and uh yoda talking about you know luke um would he be the one you know to destroy the sith or whatever vader and that wasn't really like the prophecy of the chosen one though that was more brought up in the prequels talking about anakin skywalker and when those came out it made everybody look back at the original trilogy and go oh you know really made him step back and take a different look at how everything everything ended Or did it really? Because now we have the sequel trilogy that has brought back so much stuff and you see so many parallels, especially with uh, Ben Solo and his grandfather, Anakin Skywalker. So the chosen one prophecy actually was part of a longer type of prophecy um, that you can find in Master and Apprentice, Apprentice Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Really quick, Tammy, if you have the notes in front of you, could you please read the full prophecy?
0: Only through sacrifice of many Jedi will the Order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. The danger of the past is not past but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. When the force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. A chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him will ultimate balance in the force be restored.
2: Wow. (laughs) That's really Uh, cool. That's some crazy stuff. Like just thinking about, oh, there's so much in that. Like, there's a lot. Like, I have a lot here. And like I had to really in my own personal notes had to like cut it down. I'm like, okay, keep it relevant. But it's it's so, so, so good. And I just immediately when I got to that part in the book, I was like, yes cuz like i had read it on reddit already like several times but i you know i was like i want to experience it you know for myself in the book and it was it's just so good so in this uh prophecy this whole thing there it's like each sentence in here um talks about like a different it's almost as if it's like a different prophecy for each sentence and it's it's like because they use the chosen one by itself a lot. And you can do that with pretty much every line in this, in this whole entire prophecy thing. And I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and what does that's that mean? A great point that like, it could be different things, maybe not all the same mm, situation.
0: I think that's probably most likely the case um, that there's, this is not just referring to, like, one incident or one person.
1: And what's really fascinating about um, the force and in, in what we know about it, at least from the reader's perspective or the viewer's perspective, is that the force doesn't really differentiate between past and present and, um, you know, say, even location, right? <laughs> it, it's all the
2: force. That's very
1: true. Right? Yeah. And so... In some ways, when you think about prophecy and how it comes about in, in the saga and in and in books and in, in in the Star Wars universe, prophecy is very much um the the force is trying to tell you something. And you and it usually comes in dreams or it comes in visions or it comes in in these things. So this is most likely. Some Jedi way in the past when they still believed in the mystics, right? This is part of the Master and Apprentice book as well as Dooku Jedi Lost. They kind of dig into the mythos of it a little bit more. They're saying that somebody sometime in the past filled the holocron of prophecy up with prophecies, which are basically like either waking dreams, dreams themselves, or visions. And this is an interpretation almost like perhaps a, um, poetic or a, um, you know, verse way of describing what they experienced in this vision. So it might be that they saw an egg, but the force might not necessarily mean a literal egg, right? right? Like, so, and, and things can be Misinterpreted very easily with prophecy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're true and you know the authors that I've spoken to about prophecy in general have had some very interesting things to say and the one caveat I want to say is that um, not all the prophecies came from the story group <laughs> you know some of them I'm sure were in the brief or at least you have to create a prophecy that fits these needs like the chosen one, etc um, but some of them were just invented by uh, the authors and Cavan Scott and Claudia Gray actually worked quite closely together where their stories overlapped with regards to the three characters that are shared kind of in, in past storytelling right between the two stories with Dooku, Rail, and Qui-Gon. And so they had to agree on certain things and there is a prophecy that is actually shared by both stories which is fascinating
2: right yeah and no definitely And the part where you were talking about how the the prophecies are literally what that could be an interpretation like are literally interpretations of what they saw it's like that's so true because it's like all up to you know it, from a certain point of view you it's like know, a weird what game is... of telephone
1: with the force because yeah you can't, you can't necessarily so the force gives you a vision and it right. could be very um dreamlike and you write it down how do you describe something that you experienced in your own mind you know and, right. and write it down with every detail and you try to figure out what the details that were important could be but Who knows, right? And to the force, it might feel like it's communicating with you, you know, in the best manner. But it's through the midi chlorians that it has conversations with you. So
2: right. And the interesting (laughs) thing, though, is is how you were saying what's written is kind of what they saw is kind of what I'm taking from it, and -hmm. that's what I took from from the books. When you take that idea and then you go to, um, you go to Revenge of the Sith or um, Empire Strikes Back, where Luke has his force vision of Han and Leia and his friends suffering at Cloud City. Uh, That was literal, Um, and that's what he saw, or that's what he says he saw. But the only one that we actually really do see, um, like on on screen, like the force vision we actually see, uh, is Anakin's that he has Mm -hmm. of Padme. And that is also quite literal. He's like, you die in childbirth. Oh, a few days later, she dies in childbirth. And it's like, okay. So you and I, Obi-Wan also had this kind of hesitation about the prophecy as well in Master and Apprentice. And I kind of shared that with him as well, where you talked about, okay, but how seriously can you actually take these? You know, what you were talking about, are they, he's like, this is so vague. And it's like, it's can this truly be taken, not taken seriously, but like, you know, should it be, should we be spending so much time trying to figure out what this is when it could be literally happening right under our noses, but we're so consumed with trying to figure, figure this out because that's, you know, then that's just human obviously, but it's like, how do you, if it's literal, the way it's talking, I, there's a lot of weird stuff here and it's like the first line um Mm -hmm. especially only through sacrifice of many jedi will the order cleanse the sin done to the nameless okay with that i automatically think of order 66 um but well and i actually think of something totally different well, because when you get to the the sacrifice of many Jedi, that makes me think of Order 66, but cleanse the sin done to the nameless. What does that mean? So, okay, maybe that's not what it means. Maybe it's talking about... The clones, about, maybe. Because they maybe. don't have names.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: I, I, I think of uh,
0: the Solos because they don't ha- really have a real name.
2: That's true. And that's another thing I think of. I think of the sacrifice of many Jedi. Well, many is subjective. Could it have had to have been something with what happened with Luke and then at the temple or something like that? And that ties into what you just said about solo, So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know that's interesting, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is a lot of a lot of people have been throwing around this theory that the chosen one was never actually found anakin wasn't actually the chosen one there was no chosen one rather there is a chosen you know one can be interpreted different ways and it could be actually two united possibly as one and a lot of people theorize that this is Ray and kylo ren um chosen one shall come born of no father and through him will ultimate balance of force be restored to me that says anakin skywalker
1: this is crazy language. So through well, him will ultimate balance be restored. So his blood, his
2: right, Right, right. That's, an, that's another thing. But also it could be just because a prophecy doesn't mean it's one and done. It's not, oh, this already happened. This one was fulfilled. Okay. But maybe, maybe prophecies can be fulfilled more than once
0: but in I, different ways. In order to think about this sentence, you have to think of what is ultimate balance? Is ultimate balance a singular event or is it a process?
2: Exactly.
0: It's not just something, you know, we don't don't even know what that means really because we haven't
1: seen it. So yeah, we know that balance is the main question of the sequel trilogy. It's mentioned so many times. It's like everybody who's like, you know, has, so is old with many. a beard has, has mentioned balance and Snoke has mentioned, yeah, it's just, you know, everybody talks about balance. What does it mean? But what's really mm-hmm. fascinating is that, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn also was really interested in the concept of balance and yes. symbiosis and, um, you know, this idea that maybe the force isn't meant to be dichotomous it is meant to be you know in motion circular you go back and forth right and Mm
2: -hmm. uh
1: so you know the force is meant to be like not meant to be split between Jedi and Sith right so I mean fundamentally to this question balance in the force that is what is the question the ultimate question of the Star Wars the saga what is, what is meant to happen in the universe that has yet to happen, that the chosen one is um, meant to fulfill. And I have a a wacky theory about this. So go for it. Okay. (laughs) So I mean, I'm a big reverse anodalist just because of the parallels themselves. So even um, symbolically, right. um, I definitely think that there is a place for at least symbolically Kylo fulfilling and finishing what Anakin Skywalker started as Darth Vader defeating Palpatine, right? Like that's, that's the idea. And there's certainly this, this idea that maybe Rey and Kylo will fulfill something that was missing previously. And that, you know a thousand generations now live in you is actually them taking on the power of the force ghost because this was originally like dude a concept that uh george had kind of played around with in um when he originally called return of the jedi revenge of the De- jedi that <laughs> all of the force ghosts would show up and kick palpatine's butt that would have been <laughs> crazy but like the, the idea is that there's like, you know, a place for it's not just these two, but it's actually the whole galaxy trying to come together and right this wrong. And right. um, you know, I think that there's a place for Anakin to come back and and assist his grandson out in a good way. Or, you know, um reincarnation is not necessarily always you know, the soul only exists once. And there's uh, a lot of cultures out there that actually um, generationally you are that person, even though that other person also existed. It's it's really interesting. It's not necessarily that you are the same soul. You are a different soul, but you are also that soul. It's fascinating.
2: It's like a part of it almost is passed on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot like Sort of what ends up taking a place in Avatar, the Last Airbender, right? Uh, it's a different it's a, it's a different person, but they also are in that line and that legacy. and so have that knowledge and that memory, that like generational memory of that reincarnation um, and are treated like that person, but they're not that person. it's It's really fascinating. and especially with generations, um, this happens a lot of like Native American, um, culture. Um, Mm -hmm. this also happens in kind of some Asian, um, influential places too. So you're not necessarily the same person, but you're reborn, right. With a different opportunity. It's just lots to think about.
2: (laughs) That is, that sounds amazing. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. I, I appreciate that. That's, that's a wonderful theory.
1: Um, I'm going off on the deep end. Sorry.
2: That's fine. That's what
0: this. That's what this whole episode is. <laughs> this whole uh, episode. If, if we're talking, sorry, wait, just one moment. You're good. Okay, so if we're if we're talking about um, balance and and what that actually means, I've actually been thinking about this a lot over the past couple days. Um, so I have this. I have this uh, kind of tentative idea of what I think it might mean is um, so it seems like the basic tenet of, you know, Jedi and Sith light and dark so far has been that the Jedi or the dark side is trying to use the power of the force for their own means. And then the Jedi are trying to serve the force and fulfill its, its will um and so it it kind of comes down to whether you use the force for your will or whether you try and fulfill the force as I guess doing both of those things but in a way that's like a symbiotic relationship that feeds each other with more than one person being the conduit of the force everyone like NC uh, was saying something about like you know, this is something that everybody participates. I think she's definitely spot on with that. I think it's going to be something we're going to see. Um, but so everyone being involved and and it being a symbiotic relationship of giving the force what it wants and the force also gives you what you want or what you need um, in, in like a symbiotic relationship. makes me flashback to um,
2: a lot of Qui-Gon's uh, talk that he had in the, in the Phantom Menace, uh, especially with Anakin as the whole talk about Midi chlorians and stuff. And it makes me think uh, when you're talking about symbiosis, it's important. In um, episode nine, it makes me think of what JJ said when he first got the directing job for nine, uh, specifically talking about it connected to the Phantom Menace. He's like, oh. I, that sounds
1: really cool. I mean That's fundamentally cool. like like the prime jedi like the yin yang the force yeah. is meant to flow back and forth kind of between life death right which exactly. re- brings new life very much to the ray conversation because um with luke yes. on the hill because you know ryan wanted to reteach us all about the force he wanted to be like hey, let's go back to school. I'm going to school you on the force because all of this exists already in canon. We hear um, Yoda talk about it in Empire Strikes Back In you know, it's energy, <laughs> you know, and it comes from us. It comes from all living things and it connects us, binds us, the, binds the galaxy together. That's what's important about the force is that it's the interconnection Between all living things, in that we are not actually separate. The it is the the illusion that we are separate, that we get stuck on in our heads, thinking that we are different from the clone troopers or from the first order, thinking that we are different from the other people that are next to us. In actuality, we are all of the force. We are all interconnected and bound together in the same galaxy. And that's what Yoda and you know, Ray and Luke are having their conversation about and not only are we all part of the same force, but it also has a flow to it. And it is cyclical in its nature, symbiotic, things go, life comes, death comes from that death, nutrients are in the ground, and it springs forth new life. And, you know, one of my favorite books, in can- in canon is Legends of Luke Skywalker, and there is an amazing story in that that actually helps kids understand the concept of the Force, I would say, m- better than many adults do, and instead of calling it the Force, um, Ken Liu calls it the tide, because it goes in, and it goes out, and if you flow with the tide, you are kind of aligned with it right and if you try to go against the tide or control the tide for your own means then you are maybe not doing what the tide needs you to do really it makes so
2: much sense yeah and what you were talking about um it being a cycle um death mm-hmm. and decay death and decay that feeds new life it like kind of the same idea we've seen at the end of the previous two trilogies um the death of the empire gave life to the new republic um the death of the republic gave life to the empire and mm-hmm. you know it's vice versa it works like that so something falls something else rises rise of skywalker everything's talking about rising you know it's just, <laughs> uh, it just just makes my mind just go crazy but there's a point where here we see the Force possibly doing something, not necessarily, I would say doing something different in the sequel trilogy. Here we have this, We it's always been this kind of, there's always been this kind of gray area, um, especially with Anakin and with Luke and Vader's relationship in the original trilogy. This kind of gray area that we have between quote unquote good and evil, uh, light side and the dark side. And we have this idea that the force is constantly pulling and pushing uh, and we see that specifically in Anakin as an individual um, pulling and pushing at this individual you know and Mm -hmm. it's almost as if the force is like not necessarily it's like the force is like no hey come to this side no come to this side and it's like pulling and pushing and it does that it's it's been this back and forth and Mas Kanata puts it In words, when she's talking to Rey, she's like, you know, it's like it was first. It was the Sith, then it was the Empire, now it's the First Order, and it's like this is all. It all goes back and forth, back and forth, like you're saying, it's a cycle. So we talk about balance. Is the Force sick and tired of being pushed and shoved around? (laughs) Is my question, because why all this discussion of why all this discussion of balance? If the past few films that we've had the past six films that exist not including the sequel trilogy films have not addressed balance they've been Mm -hmm. no this side has to win no this side has to win and here Mm -hmm. we have this question okay what about what about a balance you know and it's like we see it personified in two individuals we see it in ray and ben and there's this idea that I've always had that the force is almost like I said, the force is tired of it. The force it's not, I, I call it a sick force. The force is sick. Uh, it's literally saying, Hey, you know, I'm still here. Um, you're not, you haven't been using me properly. We haven't been interacting properly. Uh, me and the rest of the, the galaxy, the individuals who are force sensitive, you know, this hasn't been going correctly for the past few years. I've been trying to get your attention. And like, you know, they're still, it's still trying to get their attention. And I think this time though, it's doing it in a different way with Ray and Kylo Ren and possibly because we've seen in the past few movies, how in the first one with an NTFA where Ray and Kylo have that whole lightsaber duel, and we have this idea where they're in the forest and you know they're, they're all their moves just parallel off of one another. And that's where way back in uh, early 2016, we had all those metas of, okay, what if she pulled this from him? You know, what if Ray learned all this stuff from him? What if we respond? It was all kind of crazy stuff that we thought that ended up coming true in The Last Jedi. But when they ground, the ground splits between them and The Force Awakens and it opens. Right, right as Ray is hearing this voice in her head, it says it in the novelization, to strike him down. And right after she hears that, she's thinking about it, the ground splits. My theory has always been that the Force did that because the Force is like, stop.
1: Yeah, he's is like, them, stop. It's like, I'm sick of you two fighting. You go to that stop corner. Fighting. You go to that corner and think about what Rey. you've done. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And it does it again, it does it again in The Last Jedi with yeah. the lightsaber instead of the ground, the lightsaber splits in half. And, and, and they're, thrown like they're thrown apart physically.
1: They're thrown apart physically, right? Literally. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh-huh.
2: And to me, it's like the Force saying, hey, shut it and listen to me. And it being, you know, human as they are, are obviously thinking something different and it's like how do i get your attention and i think that's what it's trying to do right now because it's tired the force is just tired <laughs> i think that's really really interesting concept
0: and for some reason i when you're talking about the force being sick it's making me think of like the force as like a natural resource almost like like mm-hmm. a like the environment like air or something like that. And, and you, like you're talking about the force being sick, which makes me think of like pollution and um, all the things that are happening to the earth right now because of how people have like diffused and abused it. Um, and so for, I think maybe it's kind of like a similar concept, at least my understanding of what you're explaining, like people have just been like trying, using it up and like spitting it out and not respecting um, the force itself um and and you know there's going to be consequences for that
1: i have the biggest smile on my face tammy because right yes and <laughs> the reason is is because the force is not separate from the beings in the galaxy yes. they are the same thing and the cosmic force the will of the force the the thing that potentially communicates as, as best as we can understand it, the force has a will. It is the cosmic force that has the will, right? It is this thing that comes, comes from the wellspring of the living force. The living force is produced by all things. And so the living force itself, it grows and it is produced by the interconnections between all living things. And so if we are in a constant star war, (laughs) killing off all of the living things, or maybe there's suffering in the galaxy of those living things that is digging into whatever that is, that is the living force, then the force will be sick. It will affect the things like the cosmic force that it comes from.
2: Right. And that ties into what Tammy was saying, like the idea of the force as a natural resource. Like, okay, so maybe the way the Sith do it is kind of a disrespectful way to use that natural resource. But let's say the Jedi, we see the Jedi as good, whatever they're trying to use it in a good way. Well, here's the thing. If you, let's say I go outside and I need paper. I'm going to go cut down a tree and I need paper, but I'm going to use that paper for something good. I'm going to write a thank you note to my neighbor. Even though I'm using it for something good, I'm still harming the environment by cutting down that tree, aren't I? And the idea of your intentions might be good, but there's still the possibility that what you've done by carrying out your actions is there's going to be consequences somewhere along the line.
1: I mean, that's the whole challenge for the Jedi in general is that even though they have good intentions and they serve the light, Right. The the fact that they are drawn into the Clone Wars is maybe the biggest sin that they commit and is actually feeding the pain of the galaxy. So, yes, natural resource and symbiosis with humanity. So they are humanity or sorry, living things, the living force and living things are the same, right? So if you imagine them as the same exact thing, if we as a galaxy commit ourselves to have pain and suffering on a galactic level uh, that you would have on a galactic wide war or um you know the acceptance of slavery across the galaxy and the suffering of the people and the human or the and the creatures within that then the force will probably reflect that in in a way, you know, like because they are the same—the living creatures of the galaxy, the living force, and what comes from the living force, the cosmic force, the will of the force—is all of the same thing. Yeah. I think that in
0: injustice and suffering and all that, like, produces almost like a corrupting energy, and that that is what the or dark side users uh, use maybe. And that's why they were uh, like able to rise and take over uh, for the empire and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Because of the whole left. Yeah. Because, because everything is swung towards the side of pain and suffering and death. And if you're thinking of almost like a pendulum, right, where it swings back and forth, if, the pendulum stays in one side too long. No matter who's causing that to happen, there's going to be more of that energy out there in the galaxy. And that's why like it's sick because it, maybe it's not supposed to be where it is or it's, you know, it's really not like doing the thing that it needs to do, which is flow. I think of, you know, I talking about that pendulum and stuff. I, I know
0: we already touched on um, Rey's uh, connection with the Force in *The Last Jedi* when she has her little speech moment, and it kind of goes over like the life on the island and stuff. It, it, it just makes me think of like, think natural processes versus like unnatural processes, and that mm. that's the the whole thing is, is that the balance of the Force is allowing these natural processes
1: to happen. Yeah, and I mean that's what Anakin's greatest sin is and palpatine's greatest sin is like trying to cheat right. death because de- death is a natural part of life death produces new life even if it might not be the life that you had before right
2: right and <laughs> that anakin, is actually
1: that would have um, made room
0: for Luke and leia um and it did and regardless of what anakin did or did
1: not do <laughs> Exactly, we had Luke and Leia, and you know the the fact that Padme died is yes a tragedy and everything like that. But it's worse that he couldn't understand that that is the natural order of things, right? Even as Vader, right. he is still obsessed with the idea of bringing Padme back in her yes. form, the way that she was, right? Rather than letting the flow happened the circle happened the turn happened you know
2: circle of life
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the but circle
2: you know. of
1: life we'll just start singing right I
2: tried not to sing it but you did it so that's fine. <laughs> I'm the guest uh but yeah yeah thank you <laughs> thank you guest but yeah and you were talking about um natural versus unnatural and you were talking about um Anakin, Padme, and uh, Palpatine. Uh, That's actually a perfect uh, tie-in to uh, and segue to the next part of our discussion. I wanted to talk uh, about a line, a few lines in the prophecy. Just scroll back real quick. Um, I'll go ahead and read them now. The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. End quote. So, my segue into this actually connects to Palpatine and Dooku Jedi Lost, in a way. Um, okay. Every time that I think of that, um, every time I think about that part with the egg cracks, um, it reminds me of that moment. Uh, spoiler alert, if you have not read Dooku Jedi Lost, or should I say listen to it, please uh, please go do so now. It's amazing. But um, uh, that part always makes me think of the, the Earth's dragon thing that um dooku uh dook's homeworld of Sereno. Um there's this whole crazy force thing that happens with Dooku MC correct me if I'm wrong because I was only able to to listen to this uh to this once Mm
1: -hmm. but um
2: the Terataka uh lives pretty much underground like you know it's called the earth dragon or something and it's like the dragon that holds up the earth or something isn't it like yeah it's it's like inside
1: yeah it has a it has a connotation that it's tied to like the essence of the planet a little bit right
2: Um, and up until the point where it actually at the end of the book where it breaks out um is thought of as like a mythical thing that didn't actually exist or possibly did exist a long time ago but now they're just you know legends and now it's like a myth almost and it's um to me that makes me that makes me think of that part and the whole idea of um how how dooku is during this whole book um really i love this book so much guys please please check it out um it's really great this book talks about Duku before he became a count, and it actually uh, talks about how he became Count of Sereno um, he it starts off when he's a little boy um, sound familiar <laughs> and he is a very you know innocent little kid, and he has this encounter where he's walking through the halls of Sereno um because the Jedi are there for something and he sees this, uh, he has this moment where he sees this, I believe it's a paint. Is it a painting or is it a sculpture? It's,
1: um, it, it's like a sculpture okay. in one of okay. the underground places that they sneak off to, basically.
2: Right, right. Mm-hmm. And he sees that and he just has this moment where it's like, I believe, doesn't he like black out or something? It's like this whole like he connects with force the, thing. He connects with it, with it. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and he has, like, a vision of what it is, and and it, in that moment, in a way, kind of awakens and causes an earthquake, which starts to, um, like, crumble kind of around the people that are in the underground cavern.
2: Right, and that whole whole thing is, like, it always, ever since I, I, I listened, I read that, and then I read the prophecy, I always thought of that as, like, a literal representation, possibly, of what this was now threatening the galaxy not necessarily but i think it's almost like a metaphor for what's happening here um
1: what's really interesting about star wars is that um oh boy this is a larger conversation and i'm just gonna whip it out and talk about (laughs) but but go ahead in the in the in the concept of Star Wars, it rhymes, right? The the whole idea, Star Wars, it rhymes. Like, so things happen again and again, and there are these parallels between different stories. And, you know, you might have a situation like in the Phasma book that has parallels to Darth Vader becoming Darth Vader in how, you know, her helmet comes onto her head and is lowered and how she's becoming more cybernetic over time, over the course of the Phasma book, or you have parallels to the interstellar relationship between Duku and his sister in Duku Jedi Lost that almost parallel what is happening from a Force bond connection in, um, you know, in the sequel trilogy. So there's this idea that we have this repetitive storytelling or classic storytelling in Star Wars that it's like the force or the universe is trying to get it right like yes it's like it's trying to work it out right so there's something in dooku jedi lost that feels like it's gonna like threaten the galaxy or it's you know in and in the way like the teratokra um it breaks out and is Perverted, almost by duty mm-hmm. right? like it is used yeah. against it and then killed. Right, so it's mm-hmm. it's shocking in some ways. But yeah, the the idea that there are parallels that exist and sometimes those parallels don't work out well. And we talked a lot lot about that in our redemption story or our, our redemption episode on what the force mm-hmm. about how yeah. you know especially um dark disciple in the story between. You know, Quinlan and Ventress is very much like okay. Well, how do we make two force users that are kind of on opposite sides of of the coin work together and and ha. try this out, right? Yeah. Um, so there is this repetitive storytelling. So you could very well be right that these concepts and these ideas are being played out in the galaxy far, far away
2: as a oh, way definitely. for the
1: force to work through hey, how do I get this to work, you know?
2: Definitely, and when the Terataka was used, like, against its will by Dooku, I was just like, oh, oh, that's not okay, because, like, you know, I was like, oh, this makes, this makes sense, and it instantly just connected with, like, so many other, you know, stories that you hear, like, in, in... It's parallel to me. The- yes, yes, <laughs> that's what I was Anakin, just about to say.
1: Because the Terataka is is touched at a young age in some ways and existed and Ben Solo. Yes. And, but also, um, you know, and then it is used to try to destroy, you know, <laughs> an area uh-huh. whatever, and it's, it's manipulated by, um, you know, a force wielder, etc. And we know that it, the world dragon has a history with the Sith. It's just, it, there's a lot there in in that symbolism too and it does um like in the revenge of the sith book um ah yes anakin (laughs) anakin refers to his fear and his um like his almost dark side i'm gonna use the word shadow um his shadow as a dragon because of yes around um Tatooine, and that the suns have dragons, and the scariest thing he saw was a was a dead son and yeah, there's there's a lot there.
2: <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that kind of myth and just symbolism. I just love that so much. And talking about you know like corrupting and like manipulation of like that, which is like innocent and and good. You know, connects back to connects back to Palpatine. Most we natural, right?
1: like, yeah, so most importantly, natural, right? Yeah, it's natural. Messy. It's messing with the, with the things that are considered to be natural about.
2: Right. And talking about natural versus unnatural again, where Palpatine is talking to Anakin, um, the dark side is a path to many abilities, which many would consider uh, to be unnatural. And that's definitely, that's definitely true. But. I want to use that as a segue into our next uh, bit of discussion. I want to talk about something weird and forcey that happens in Rebels season four. Um, I want to talk about world between worlds, past and future combined. So, Really quickly, I want to read this quote uh, from Henry Gilroy. He's co-executive producer for Rebels since season two and screenwriter for Rebels and Clone Wars. So, here we go. Truly wonderful,
0: the mind of a child is. a right. conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. <laughs> Not this, true magic. Train yourself to let go. You fear to lose. What you need, you already have. Unfortunately, seeing you letting it all go, I won't let him lose his way. Not like I am.
2: I always got the sense that if somebody else had gone into that world between worlds, they would have experienced something completely different. They would have heard different voices echoing. The portals would have been different. So it's all about what you bring into it, and what your experiences are, and what your connections are.
0: The Force is what gives the Jedi power. It's an energy created by all living things. It surrounds us, it us, and combines us.
1: Master Yoda? Obi-Wan? Where are you?
0: Those voices...
1: Where are they coming from?
0: Ahsoka is around. You were always close by. How did you get here? <coughs> Can you help me? I was sent here, but I, I'm not sure why. <coughs> what is this? What are you showing me?
2: Talking about World Between Worlds and linking it with Palpatine. Stay with me here. To recap for just a second, in the episodes Wolves a Door" and World Between Worlds, Palpatine was searching for something. He was obviously, he was searching for something in that temple. And Haydn, uh, Varys Haydn, who's the guy, you know, that's kind of there, he's like his little underling. Um, They're overseeing the project. Uh, him and the Emperor thought that this temple and the painting of the Mortis gods on the outside were a gateway to untold power. Palpatine was looking for that place, for that power. But what was the power that he was searching for? And every time that I think of this, I always think of the opera scene in Revenge of the Sith, uh, where he's talking to Anakin about the tragedy of Darth Pegasus the Wise. And he's talking about Plagueis was able to save the ones he cared about from dying. Anakin's like, is it possible to learn this power? <laughs> Not from a Jedi. So, you know, to me, I always thought of the power to save the one you care about from dying. What is Ezra doing in the world between worlds? He brings back someone that was going to die. He brings back Ahsoka right before she dies. Goes way back in time. And he wants to do the same for his master. He wanted to save the ones he cared about from dying. That's what Ezra was in there doing. Is that possibly, the Emperor was there looking for a way not to save someone he cared about from dying. Emperor was looking probably there for a way to immortality, to keep himself from dying, and possibly something else to go back into way back when and possibly change something. We don't know the full extent of what he would have done had he had access to the world between worlds. The idea is terrifying. And you know, what could he have gone back and changed? Is that what, is that what he wanted? But when he tells Anakin, is it possible to learn this power? He says, not from, not from a Jedi. To me, it's always been interesting how they have the Mortis gods on the outside of world between worlds. Um, And when I think of that, not from a Jedi line. I always think of the line in the Mortis trilogy where Obi-Wan is first meets the son and accuses him of being a Sith. You are Sith. And the son's just like, yes and no. You have a very simple view of the universe. And the father identifies them as force wielders. The daughter says that we can take the shape. We take the shape of the life around us. So could it possibly they the mortis is linked in with world between worlds and to me the idea of them explicitly not labeling themselves as jedi or sith force water ties back into the idea not from a jedi which means palpatine kind of i think palpatine was obviously talking about you know learning it from sith but it's like the idea that there's something that exists outside of these two things that we have lumped four seizures into is extremely interesting. And that's take the shape of the life around them. Obi-Wan automatically assumes that the son is a Sith because of his characteristics and whatnot. He profiles him as a Sith, whereas the daughter could presumably be profiled as somewhat of a Jedi type. And that's, you know, that has to do with because the Jedi are aligned to the light side. The daughter is aligned to the light side. It's Force, And the son is aligned to the dark side. That's the Sith. So even though they're not the same, the parallels are obviously there and they're extremely similar. Um, But what what on earth does Mortis and World Between Worlds have to do with our discussion on the sequel trilogy? Um, Stay with me again. Uh, The prophecy and Mortis. There's a lot here, to me, Um, specifically tying in World Between Worlds. Um, To me, it's the obvious line, to me it's obvious, where it talks about the danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. When the force itself sickens, past and future must split and combine. We talked about how not necessarily everything is literal, but some of this stuff actually is quite literal and could be what the person who wrote person who wrote this down actually saw that happening. So could the person who was taking this into account and writing this stuff down, could possibly as an account of what actually happened, what they actually saw, did they literally see the past and future split and combine? and could that have something to do with world between worlds? I think that is... Extremely likely, but I want to know what you guys think.
0: Oh, um, so I guess every single line of this prophecy like hurts my brain. So, and, um, the thing, the, the line about the past and the future, it says must split and combine. So first there's a splitting. And then there's the combining. Um, the past and the future splitting apart from each other. Um, possible, maybe that means that that uh, has something to do with the force being sick. Like, it's the force is so sick that it breaks, like, the continuity of time.
2: Right. <laughs> um,
0: and, and And then it goes back together again. That's what I think of like just reading this line. But if we're thinking about it in the context of the world between worlds and the whole thing about the force doesn't really see time as a line, um, you know, that's, that's a whole different idea. If you're reading it with that perspective, um, then the force itself sickens. So the force must heal itself. It must find some way to restore balance and become healed. So this means that, and it indicates that that's something that happens with the continuity of time, something changes. And perhaps someone goes to the world between worlds and goes back and changes things or um, goes to the world between worlds and, and heals something um, that like deep down in, in the core of what the force is. It's so right. sick that something must be changed deep down. Um, I think probably more than anything to me that that means going back to okay, so so we're talking about this egg thing a couple minutes previously. So, eggs in mythology and eggs cracking, as um, Sarah Sahim on Twitter put that was talking about this, where it's it's like it has it has to do with like the mythology of the creation of the universe.
2: Yes, in um, in a lot of
0: different cultures. So
2: perhaps well, hear me out.
0: <laughs> perhaps, but um, the, there's something that needs to go back. Like you need to go back to the whole creation of everything, and and either plant something new um or or you know there's something that must be changed fundamentally back at the creation of everything
2: right yeah would, just- would, <laughs> no yeah definitely and like talking about like you know the idea of like the whole egg thing that you were talking about new, being like a new thing that's a that's a really cool take on it like i honestly i i hadn't thought of that before i hadn't my my take on that whole line was danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. To me, that was kind of almost almost had been fulfilled already in a way by the idea of the Sith being gone, but not really gone. They're back, surprise, in the prequels when they come back.
0: Right, and but like she was saying, maybe that's just an echo of something bigger. Right, that's,
2: a, that's what I was about to say, because there's that and then there's also the idea of i've seen a lot of people speculating this also has to do with palpatine the danger of the past is not past but sleeps in an egg where we're talking about the egg being a type of mm, uh, interpretation of the downed dust star that we see in the trailer we have no idea you know this is just speculation. (laughs) yeah but being interesting the idea of that being the actual the egg sleeps in an egg. Oh, what if Palpatine's in there or something? It's like, you know. And actually, like,
1: eggs uh, have creation myths, yes, but they also have um, a tie to uh, pagan and Christianity in taking Mm -hmm. on that, in that um, the egg is a symbol of Esther, or Easter, (laughs) and rebirth. Yeah. Right? So...
0: Also, the prime Jedi, like, it's... Sitting in an egg. Mm-hmm. It looks mm-hmm. like one.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, like,
0: what, if, what if the whole—I don't know—the everything that that has to do with force and how people interact with the force? Maybe we're going to go back to the Prime Jedi and and learn more about what happened then. Maybe something happened then that needs to be changed.
2: Right, and the idea what you just said—go back, you know, past and future split and combine. It's like, to me, that always reminds me of, I don't know if you guys watch uh, Doctor Who, <laughs> but I, I'm a huge fan. And every time they talk about, you know, it, it's like a should say about time traveling and all this kind of stuff. And this comes with the territory of like anything that's like a time traveling show or anything like that. Like um, you can't mess with anything in the past or you're going to mess up the future or something like that. And the whole idea of, when that happens, it possibly oh it just sets everything out of whack. It's like the ripple effect. Like whoops, you did this. Now the future is going to look like this. You've already you just changed it. There's this um, there's this episode in Doctor Who where it's like the time itself. When it's talking about the time is sick, it literally says the time is sick. Like here where it's saying the force itself sickens. And when time got sick in that episode, past and future were literally combined in the episode. He had Winston Churchill walking next to, um, Bruce Willis, I think, or something like that. It was something weird like that. And it, there, all these things came together, clashed from the past and the future. And it's like that idea of be careful, tread lightly, because your steps, you know, will create these ripple effects. And that kind of goes back with what you were saying. So it's like, you know, maybe. It could be literal, it could be somebody, we literally go back or we fear, not meta. I guess so would be meta, metaphorically go back and we go like, you know, going back to your roots, starting over.
1: Well, um, also
2: could
0: have the past and the future, those can also like stand for like the whole, the, the dichotomy, dark and light,
2: uh, any dichotomy.
0: Right. It's mentioned um could could refer to uh dark and light
2: exactly and it could Mm -hmm. even refer to to people in my another interpretation i have uh past and future bringing back palpatine as an allegory possibly for the past and the future as something else something new maybe it's not necessarily palpatine maybe something else happens we don't know and past yeah. and future, maybe another thing, you know. And it's like the idea of there's them splitting and combining. They're not literally splitting and combining, but right. that's what's it is happening. But it isn't, you know. It's an interpretation of that. Again, it's up for interpretation. Oh, I feel that's, like about past and
0: future. You have to talk about like we we know that uh, if we're talking about it in reference to the sequel trilogy. Like Uh Kylo and Ray are both so hung up on the past, both of them. Uh And and I think that that's probably something that it is important to to recognize when we're looking at this particular line in the prophecy and how it relates to the sequel trilogy.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, and actually, Ray is uh, talks about his future, and he talks about her past, which is really interesting. Yeah, Ray is beginning
0: to, to be able to talk about the past and, as a future and think about the future and, and think about that when she, you know, takes actions and things, but Kylo's so caught up in it that he, it's consuming him.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, you, it's, it's, what you, it's what you bring with you, you know. And, oh, that uh, reminds me of another thing. Okay, so connecting back real quick into World Between Worlds, uh, going back to Henry Gilroy's quote, um, where he's talking about the different voices echoing when Ezra's in the portal, um, saying how your experience—if a different person would have gone in—it would have been a different experience because it's all about what you bring into it and what your experiences are and what your connections are. We hear something similar when uh, Luke goes into the cave on Dagobah, and you know he's like, you know, what's in there? Yoda says, "Only what you take with you." Mm-hmm. And what Ezra hears when he's in the world between worlds. I remember all of Twitter collectively freaked out because we heard Ray and Kylo Ren's voices in there, and that was that was the coolest, coolest thing. And there was just so so much from like it it pulled in so much from the films, the t- TV shows, everything. And to me, that's illustrating that this is a path that the for this this is a certain path. And you're hearing these voices from this certain, from this path. That's why you hear Ray and Kylo's voices because on this path later on is possibly, you know, where they is, where they come in. So it's like what you bring into it, where your experiences and what your connections are. Ezra has no idea who the heck those people are. You know, we don't even know where Ezra's at at this point, but It's he's connected, and it's the idea of what you're saying, everything being connected because the Force is literally, it's like this path, this journey, that the Force is taking all these people on in a sense. And, you know, that's possibly why he hears their voices, because you know, it's connected.
1: To think about like, especially Lor Taka's words at the start of The Force Awakens uh, really echo kind of all of this prophecy which is like this will begin to make things mm-hmm. right uh without the jedi there could be no balance
2: right and that's like <laughs> to me it's always been like is it though is that true because like you know that's that's his take on it to me because of the um i guess he's almost he's kind of prejudiced to think think that way you know without the jedi there can be no balance in the force and where lucas luke, luke says to think that without the Jedi, the light dies as vanity, you know, to me that there's the, the two kind of contradict. And I think that that's pretty cool. It's interesting because, you know, it's just from a certain like, point different of view. Yeah. Lor San Tekka was part of the Church of the Force. So that makes sense, you know, that he would side with that. Um, and he lives for like five seconds anyway. So, you know, but <laughs> um, that whole prophecy thing, talking about balance and balance and all that, we literally see balance personified Tying it back to Mortis, really quick, uh, in the father and in his children, uh, we've there's been a lot of parallels drawn uh, between Ray and the daughter, and Ben and the son, and the Mortis gods are taken by different cultures in different ways. Um, the night sisters actually do not recognize their human forms; they recognize their animal forms, which is pretty cool. Um, the fanged god and the winged goddess—they're animal forms that they transform into—and um, other cultures as well. I believe it's like it's the way that we interpret um, mythology. There are different ways that the same story is is told about the same type of people or beings, and in some interpretations of, um, you know, you have one character this way, but you have it in another way, or being in in another culture, and that's the way uh, it seems to be in Star Wars concerning the Mortis gods, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, But talking about the Jedi, and the relationship that they have with the Mortis guys, they, they acknowledge that they exist because you see them in the temple on Lethal. They're there in a Jedi temple and their symbol that they have on Mortis when Anakin is being given the test of whether or not he's the chosen one by the father um, being able to control his two children the symbol that Anakin is standing on top of is quite very similar, calls back to the symbol of the prime Jedi on, uh, and it all connects. It all does. Um, and we've been saying this over and over again, this whole episode, but to me, I've always seen Ray and Ben as possibly a personification of, of the Mortis gods. And going back really quick to what Sabine says about them in Rebels, when she's interpreting the art for um, for Haydn. She, or no, she's, yeah, she is interpreting that for, for her, okay. Um, she says the hands are a language. Talk specifically about the hands. Um, we've made this parallel before where this part came out after the last Jedi uh, came out this part of the season and the famous hand scene in the hut, you know, we were obviously like oh, the hands are language, you know, and it's pretty cool. But the idea of the hands being a language, you're talking about the way, if you look at the way the daughter's hand and the son's hands are positioned, they're complete opposites. The daughter's hand is open. Whereas the son's hand is a closed fist. They are exact opposites of each other. Whereas the father in the middle, um, his hands, you know, are equally placed, you know balanced as he is. Um when the son and the daughter disappear when the temple is collapsing, the father is there in the middle, and he outstretches both of his hands, um, one to the left where his daughter was, and one to the right where the son was, and brings them both in to the middle, and in a flash of light, he, he's gone. He goes down, and he brings both hands to the center, and that is it. And it's like the idea of prime balance, right there. The idea where he had his hand where his son was, where his daughter was, and it's like he almost as if they're not there anymore. But they, he's bringing them in to each other. That to me ties into Ray, and then the idea of could that be how the sequel trilogy could possibly end because that how the father being one person what if instead of the father containing the balance what if it's two people containing it
1: oh boy um
2: (laughs) (laughs) that was a lot to just dropped on you i'm sorry
1: (laughs) i'm gonna tell a brief very brief, I swear, a story about me trying to watch the Mortis arc like four times in a row and how it kind of made me crazy a little bit. I'm like, it's all connected. You know, I was that, I was that meme of that guy with all the strings and the papers on the wall. <laughs> like that's me every day, <laughs> you know, like I, and you know, I do have like tons of notes from like that period of time where I, I watched it literally back to back to back to back to back to just be like, okay what is going on and you know part of it is to do with um in some ways what is the father represent for mortis itself you know um we have this obvious um dark sider right but he has compassion and love for his sister and actually his father too he cares about them we have The daughter, who is this light creature, who also is totally willing to hand a random stranger a knife to kill her brother. So they themselves almost are the version of the yin and yang um, prime Jedi, them together, right? The father is standing in the middle and he feels like it is his duty, his, his work to keep them in balance. He must control them to keep them in balance, to, and he actually asks Anakin, because he is sick and he is dying, to come and replace him and control these two. But this is all, you know, you've talked about the art on the wall being symbolic, but Mortis' self is also incredibly symbolic. It goes through, you know, natural changes from light to dark. And in some ways, doesn't even exist in normal space. It happens over the course of many nights for Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka. And they come back to reality and they were gone for a blink of an eye. It's because they are everywhere and nowhere. And Mortis itself is a vergence in the Force. And vergences are kind of a longer um, other topic. <laughs> um, but. Mortis itself is representational of what is going on in the force at that period of time and kind of all times. The challenge is how do you control something that by its nature would be in balance if you didn't try to control it? You, you think you need to control it, right. but it wouldn't be in it would be in balance if you didn't
2: if you just let it go yeah you know like and it's hilarious that they put this as like a father and his kids because it's like literally like you know just let them go they'll be fine quit trying to control them it's like the idea of, okay stop dad we get it it's okay i've talked <laughs> about
1: this a lot about the missing feminine in in star wars and in mortis it's very apparent that there's a missing yeah. mother right there's a missing mom where's the mom yeah right? um right. and in legends there's a horrible version of the mother. <laughs> yes, I have heard about this. Um and I don't think that they're ever going to bring Aboleth back um, I hope not. because she's really terrifying from a Extremely. from a story perspective and also doesn't necessarily tie in to kind of an idea of a mother goddess, which these are kind of all like force gods in some ways, right? Um right. And I've made the argument on my podcast before, but I, I will say it again. If the dad just died, the kids would be fine because they cared about each other enough to stay.
2: That's valid. And, you know, it's like the, the sister was always like, you know, it's, it's not his fault. We know she talks mm-hmm. about her brother. It's like, it's in his nature. And she's just like, that's just him, buddy. That, that's my brother. That's just how he is.
1: <laughs> and, and by... You know the interference, bringing Anakin into the the world, it pushed the son to want to leave, to control, to that, advance, to destroy.
2: That and, feels like an allegory almost for the Jedi, in a sense, the way the father attempts to control. In his not almost in his arrogance, he thinks he can do it, but he can't. So he decides to give it to someone else, and it's like, mm-hmm. hmm, that's that's interesting. I agree.
1: Go ahead. And 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 the daughter was more than willing to, was faced with the alternative, um, allow others handing the sword to another person to kill her brother. Right. But she actually says. This will control him.
2: Yeah, actually, that that's true. Not, hmm.
1: but if you hand a weapon to somebody who doesn't necessarily understand it, yeah, right,
0: it's yeah. still a
1: weapon. It's fascinating, anyways, and Kinda yeah, I like
2: the Force.
1: Yeah, kind of like the force, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and and there's other like, you know, symbolic meaning behind the sword and like it it could represent oh, yeah. the legacy lightsaber in some ways. But mm-hmm. in some ways it almost goes through the cycle of the saga in a in yeah. a symbolic way, right? So yeah. what happens to Anakin um you know the Ahsoka um existing <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, I, I love how it it manifests as, as the force itself in the actual land and that by um, kind of the death of the father in the end and the death of the son, um, kind of everything falling apart, breaks mortis so it's a it's a failure right in some yeah ways.
2: yeah and that reminds me of when you just said the death of the father you know it connects to leave the kids alone the kids will figure it out the death of luke
0: mm-hmm.
2: now the kids are alone
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. are they
2: gonna yeah are they gonna are they gonna figure it out
1: I mean, yeah. like the the symbolism of having um, Ray and Ben Kylo touch hands over a fire, and you know, a, a weird robed, you know, bearded fellow breaking in on them is kind of mortis. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess
0: if you follow this idea to the conclusion of the kids growing it up and growing up and figuring it out is Ray will become the missing mother. hmm Oh my god. <laughs> and then god. Kylo will be the new father and they will be working together. Dude.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the point is that that they're they need to come together without necessarily the previous generation telling them what they what should to do, be, but what they yeah. want to make of the galaxy together. Together is the key, right? And balance and with the idea that it's a give and take, much like femininity and masculinity, much like the galaxy needs death and rebirth. And one of my favorite uh, quotes from Dooku Jedi Lost is um, the Balm of the Luminous Chant. Mm, hmm Do you want me to quote that sucker out for you?
0: <laughs> Go for
1: it. So um I'm actually just gonna pull up my phone one sec, because I actually keep it on my phone because I'm that w- much of a weirdo because I think about it enough.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So uh at at a point, um Dooku, Dias, and ooh, I forget her name, but <laughs> um a Jedi Master. Oh, yeah is on, they're on a planet and it's, it's a virgins of the force and they're almost like infested or, or, um, they've been kind of soaked in too much dark side energy Mm -hmm. for a while. And, um, it is explained to them that they should use the, this ritual called the balm of the luminous. Um, and I'm just going to quote it. The words are woven into the gauze. As we wrap them around our arms, we bind ourselves to the light. It is a tool, a means to find balance. Starting at the wrist, you wind the fabric up your arm like this. To keep the palms open towards the stars. And the mantra goes, we call upon the three, light, dark, and balance true. One is no greater than the others. Together, they unite, restore, center, and renew. We walk into the light, acknowledge the dark, and find balance within ourselves, for the force is strong.
2: Oh, I love that. That is beautiful.
1: And it made me obsessed with uh, finding wrist bindings, including yep. adventurous... And the daughter has wrists, her wrists like wrapped and be mm-hmm. like really fascinated with this concept. And Dooku for the longest period of time in Dooku Jedi Lost actually keeps his wrists all the way up the arm bound in gauze as a way to keep himself balanced. And to remind wow. himself to turn towards the light and you hear that a lot in master and apprentice and in dooku jedi lost turn towards the light acknowledge the dark and find the balance within because the key is the balance within ourselves is the balance of the galaxy
2: exactly it is not
1: it is the micro and the macro it is both it's the alpha and the omega it is The fact that we are not separate from the other creatures around us. We are ourselves interconnected with everything that exists.
2: Exactly. And that whole, that that wonderful speech and those quotes that you just gave was like, it reminds me of what Qui-Gon says in Master and Apprentice, um, where he's talking about it matters, you know, what side uh, that you choose um, mm-hmm. talking about uh, taking sides. You know, there's this, he's predisposed to this idea, but I like what he says. Um, I'll read it out real quick. Uh, it matters. It matters which side we choose, even if there will never be more light than darkness, even if there can be no more joy in the galaxy, then there is pain for every action we undertake, for every word we speak, and for every life we touch. It matters. I don't turn towards the light because it means someday I'll win some sort of cosmic game. I turn toward it because it is the light. Mm-hmm. End quote. And that's, uh, it's in the back of the book and I oh, love it so, so much. Sure. Like
0: plants turn towards the light because that's just what plants do. And because of the light in
2: their plants, it's natural. It's, it's-, it's natural. Yes. Because what the Force
1: wants, if I may assume, is actually to return to a, a natural state of existing without necessarily the extremes or the sickness or whatever is wrong with the galaxy, right? right?
2: And even Qui-Gon acknowledges it matters, you know, but even if there will never be more light than darkness, he like, he acknowledges it. you know, maybe there never will be. Maybe it doesn't have to be is my takeaway from it.
1: The balance is always personal and always attempting to move towards the light because the darkness will always pull, right? Right. It's psychological. The darkness will always pull on everybody's psyche. Yes.
2: Um,
1: but if you, no matter that the darkness exists, turn towards the light, that, that you face the galaxy as the force, the force between others, as George used to call it before he changed it just to the force, the force of others. Um, if you deal with the galaxy with compassion and love and try to see the interconnectivity of it all, that is turning towards the light. That is the selflessness that Dave Filoni talks about when he talks about the force, and that yes. you know, fundamentally, the dark side is selfish, right? And yes, at moments. We need to be selfish, right? Mm -hmm. We need to take care of ourselves. But if you're continuously attempting to turn towards the light with compassion and understanding that you're interconnected with those around you, that is the balance. Yes. And the
0: the quote you mentioned earlier was talking about acknowledging the darkness and turning Mm -hmm. towards the light. So not attempting to deny the existence of the darkness or deny its impact or its power, um, you, like you are saying, you do need to take care of yourself sometimes. So, yep. you know, there's a place for it and you have to acknowledge it, but continue to turn towards light. And if, you know, we can talk about the, the flaws of the Jedi, I think that was the main flaws um, of the Jedi in the Republic was that they didn't acknowledge the darkness they didn't uh they just attempted to ignore it
2: right even exactly. though it was something that was natural
1: yeah and and you know i spoke about this with kevin scott actually in a great amount of detail um so once you read or once you listen to dooku jedi lost or read it when it comes out on because it's going to come out as a script which is really cool in the fall um awesome. once you pick it up and come and listen to the interview we deep dive a ton into this subject, but like really one of the things that he explores in, in the audio drama is the idea that almost every Jedi has shame. They have darkness. They have this secret shame. There's one Jedi master that has a kid that she hides in the temple until he's grown up, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he has darkness itself and he has, and she has darkness. And Yoda says this really interesting thing, and maybe it's before the war and before he's kind of disillusioned, but he's like, if she had just come to us, mm. you know, and talked with us and trusted us. But the thing is, like, they had become so wrapped up in their own ideas and doctrine, right? right. It had become, you know, without the sense and the spirit of what spirituality should be, right? It was disconnected yeah. and it had become doctrine rather than it had mm-hmm. been living, right? We do this because we do this rather than we do this with a reason. And um, yeah, Kevin is a fascinating human.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. And that, in, yeah, it's, that is just fascinating. You know, when he says that, you know, why hadn't she just come to come to us instead? It kind of almost reminds you in a way of like how parents, you know, treat their kids and you're talking about when their child has a problem, you know, well, why didn't you just come to me in the first place? Mm
0: -hmm. Well,
2: it's like the idea of maybe they didn't feel like they could. Why didn't they feel like they could? And tying it back into that, you know, the certain situation that, that took place in the temple right there. It's like, you know, why didn't she feel that she could? What were you guys doing that turned her off from that? And so many others are from that, especially also, and especially Anakin Skywalker with his whole connection with his mother that he had and you were attempting to turn him. I have so many feelings about that. You know, attempting to turn him off from that, you know, shutting these natural things down. It's like, yeah. hmm. Denying, yeah.
1: denying the natural processes of humanity, grief and, um, loss and and emotions such as missing things, and I know that they say that's greed, right? Mm. <laughs> but it to a point to still a point. denying of self, right? And it's a, you yeah. know, in some ways, like the force is just like you know, I just want everything to be moderate and not insane for a while. Like, like, <laughs> can, <laughs> you, Chill can out. you just can you just stop the freaking Star War for one moment, you know, um, because everything is interconnected. Yeah. I know we were talking a little bit earlier about
0: like parenting and and um basically like how the father was like the balance, like if he could have just gotten out of the way, you know, and, and yeah. allowed them to I think uh I think that this this whole concept of uh, allowing like space for people to um, make mistakes in order for them to grow and like space so that people can acknowledge the things, mistakes that I've done and like speak that. I think that that, that's like a big part of parenting as well is, um, you know, not, you know, allowing you space for your children to be able to express to you um, mistakes that they've made or uh, bad things that they've done without fear that um, they're going to be, you know, full of guilt or, Or something like that um, you know allow them that knowledge to know that yeah you can grow from your mistakes so I think that this this is a you know of course they George Lucas talks about Star Wars as like being for kids and I think that that's part of what's being expressed just all people can grow up with that concept um, and I think that's probably the main um, one of the main things about the balance that whole concept of balance is is that you know, as people, that we need to be able to do these things um, in, in our lives, and and you know, as parents, being able to foster that environment for your children.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like that, as a kid, you make mistakes, and that's what we learn with Kylo Ren, especially. Like mm-hmm. he made a mistake killing his father. He made a mistake. He thought it would yeah. help, right? But uh-huh. if that to a scale of like a kid that's existing in our world who needs to hear that a kid that maybe um was in a car accident you know drove for the second time and smashed up dad's and mom's car and now dad can't get to work like it doesn't necessarily need to be the example of killing your father to Mm -hmm. you know be a massive mistake for an adolescent to have gone through but that's what's happening it is children in the world who are growing up need to know I can make mistakes and live through them.
2: Exactly. And the idea of like, right. And I know I thought doing this would help me do this, would, would do this, would make this happen, but that didn't turn out. And now I'm just in a mess, which is what's happened with him with that whole action of of killing his father. It was like, that's what that translates to.
0: (laughs) You're so right this whole thing i I think you know the whole balance concept is is it just comes down to allowing yourself space to grow as a person and allowing that for your children
1: and like the growing up is about figuring that out and carrying your darkness right with you learning how to balance every single day is like dealing with your id and your super ego, trying to understand, you know, what society needs of you versus what your desires want you to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'd rather stay on the couch than go to work. Sure. But I got to work because I need to live and, you know, my family needs money to live and we need to do all of these things. And it's the balance right. of, what we want to do versus what we need to do always, always, always. And having compassion and care for others helps ease us within the society and within humanity itself and dealing with other humans.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the perfect way to to tie this discussion off right there. I think that was, that was well said. (laughs) Uh, Unless you guys had, Anything more to add? Are we we all good here? Uh, just
0: I
1: guess wishing balance for everyone. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: wishing balance for everyone. That's perfect.
2: And, and a happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, like this- it would be. It would
1: be kind of neat if if May the Force be with you kind of changed to like May the Balance be with you or something.
0: Yeah, it'd be. I don't know. It'd
1: be <laughs> cool. the same thing
0: like never, what if that's the same thing it is though you're
1: right it it's is just like you know somebody says that in a different way and it helps people understand it more because you know we had a couple of different versions of may the force be with you uh come out already since you know di- the disney acquisition and the new canon stuff like um, yeah hear it uh in his chant right may the force I, of
2: others be with you
1: Yeah. I, I am with the force. The force is with me. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the idea of turning towards the light. Right. And I just, I, I really like the idea that people might say, may the force be with you in different ways. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of gives you, you know, a different perspective on how to look at the same concept and thus gives you a better understanding of how to think about the galaxy far, far away and our own world, and yeah. It, it, I mean, honestly, can we pause for a moment
0: and think about that phrase though? Because native force Suicide was basically wishing for someone that the force's will is aligning with their
1: own. Yeah. And that so,
2: the intention of
1: it is the that. Force- you- the force of others is with you because the force has always been the energy of all living things
2: exactly it's
1: all about unity
2: yep
1: it's the individual it's a, and the macro it is the it is the galaxy and the person it's both it's
2: the circle of life <laughs> it's the circle of life <laughs> did it twice <laughs> uh, yeah no and i i agree and that was an absolutely fabulous, fabulous discussion. And I, I just absolutely enjoyed all this. So thank you so much for coming on, MC. Yes, thank, thank you. So you. Much. Come again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll, come, I'll come back whenever, whenever you need.
2: <laughs> and yeah, no, definitely. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. But this is so much fun. I hope everyone, hope everyone enjoys listening to this episode. Um, we'll be back sometime with um, probably some stuff about resistance. That's gonna be cool um, because the resistance trailer dropped the other day, and let me just say, I'm not over it. <laughs> and there's a
1: hologram of a baby. <laughs> it's a it's a baby.
2: She's a widow
1: baby.
2: He's a widow baby.
1: Ooh.
2: Ooh baby. So without further ado, um, I will go ahead and say goodbye. Uh, you can find us on at Women Wills on Twitter. Uh, you can find M C uh, at W T F O R C E, what the force show, uh, on Twitter as well and check out her podcast it's pretty awesome and we hope that you guys enjoyed this and hope that you'll think about what we said because it was crazy stuff and i'm gonna have to process it myself so without further ado i'll say good night and goodbye Bye. bye bye